Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Chris and Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Uh, open your Bibles, your Bible apps to John 21, John 21, verse 15. Titled this message, Know Him. And this is um, in John 21, 15. You're going to have to turn because unless you guys have really good vision, you're probably not going to be able to read that. And I used a large font size. <laughs> Just doesn't show that. All right, when they had finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know I love you. Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was deeply hurt that Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? Lord, you know all things, he replied. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And... When I'm, when I'm reading the Word, sometimes I'm reading it through the, the contemporary mindset of a modern Christian here 2,000 years later, and sometimes I just wonder how, how I would have written it or how we would, may have written it in the Western church. And one, one, one example I often have or think of is, is in the Beatitudes, and if I were to write the Beatitudes with that lens of the, our modern culture in the Western church, it would sound a little bit like this. Blessed are those who are strong and courageous. You shall be filled with the glory of God. Blessed are those who have studied the word and know the letter of the law. You shall see Jesus. Blessed are those you know, it just, it, it, we, we don't, we, what, what he says is blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's not what I've been told. That's not how I've been raised. We're not talking about in the church, but just in our culture. Our culture rewards those who are disciplined and devoted and who are successful in this life and earn riches in this life. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So, so when, I, when I read that p- passage of, from, from Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? Three times he asked him that question, and I think it's a really, it's a really big lost opportunity. I think Jesus could have asked him, what is your strategy, Peter, for taking my gospel to the Jews and to the nations? Or Peter... If God is sovereign, how does man have free will? And then the biggest one, 
Peter, if God is love, how can he allow so much pain and suffering on the earth? Like any one of those, Jesus probably would have been a better question to ask because I really would have loved to have seen those answers. But I think he asked Peter the same question three times because that's all that matters. If you want to feed his sheep, if you want, you want him to feed his sheep, you know all he needed to know was that Peter in his heart loved him. Amen? And I think that's a question he's asking all of us. Let's turn to Luke 10.38. Luke 10.38. As they traveled along, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his message. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. And I kind of think that Peter may have been more like Martha. And maybe that's why Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And I think there's something very powerful about Martha that falls in love. I think many of the greatest ministers in history have been Martha's that fell in love. Because the difficult part in Christianity is not the doing. It's not the faith. Faith isn't difficult. It's not the miracles and the prophetic giftings. He gives those out freely. He doesn't, that's not the difficult part. It's not the worship leading or the book writing or the preaching. It's not the stuff that is difficult. It is the one thing that is most easily forgotten and passed over. Look at how Jesus models his ministry for us. He spends, he goes into a village, it says, and he healed all their sick. Do you think he did that in a couple minutes? This wasn't a Reinhard Bonnke meeting. <sighs> they all get blasted and fall to the ground and they're all healed. He... In The Chosen, there's a scene where they're, they're out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness, and there's just this line that's just stretching forth of just these people. And there's Jesus sitting in a booth with, with, with a couple of his disciples, and just one by one, praying, not just for their healing of their bodies. You know he was going deeper than that. Because he stops for the one. He's not in any rush I don't know about you, when I read what he, what he did in the Gospels, he was never in a rush, was he? He never had to, quick, hurry, we got to get back to Judea. Come on. Don't worry, I can run on this leg. It's okay. <laughs> By the way, you know, I forget. If people, I know if I saw someone up here with this, I'd want to know what happened. This is the result of not stretching before pickleball. So, 
Uh, when you're playing your, I was playing my brother in pickleball, and when you're down two sets, just let him win the third, and leave it at that, and make sure you stretch your calves, especially men from their 30s to their 50s, apparently. This is the injury, tearing your Achilles tendon. So, <laughs> so Jesus, he's, he, he goes, goes, goes. Like, he is, he is praying. He's out there. He's doing this stuff all day long. What does he do at the end of the day? At the end of that long day, I'm thinking of one passage in particular. Where he says, he sends his disciples into the boat to cross. And where, where does he, does he go with them and go pass out in the bottom of the boat? He goes, he climbs a, a mountain or a hill, and he's needed to be with his father. He's modeling intimacy for us. He's showing us that when you do the stuff, when you do the work, you never neglect him. You never neglect the father. You never neglect intimacy, the vitality of knowing him. The doing. Look at in Corinthians. You have raised dead in my name. You've healed the sick in my name. He says, depart from me. I never what? Knew you. Jesus says, what is eternal life? Eternal life is knowing God. David, a man after God's own heart, spoke this to God in Psalm 27.4. You don't have to turn there because I'm just going to read through a couple of these quickly. You can put it on the board if you want. One thing, one thing again, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple and then in verse 8, seek his face. My heart said, seek his face. Your face, O oh Lord, I will seek. That language. David doesn't just write that, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That one catches me by surprise. I don't know about you. So that's not always what I first think of when I'm like entering his presence or going in prayer. David was after the heart of God. And he knew just being in your presence, gazing upon his beauty, was enough. And I want this to be true of me. And if we are honest with ourselves, can we read Psalm 27:4 and say, Yes, that's me, that's all I want? You're probably more like me. And that you feel in your spirit man, your inner man, your spirit man is saying, yes. One thing, Lord, that's all I want is you. But you know that you've only in reality just started to scratch the surface of finding him, of knowing him, of loving him. Just the surface. And it's really easy to live a mediocre Christian life. We get saved, which is incredible. So we start coming to church every Sunday. We start to tithe. We start to give of our time. We serve in the kids' ministry. We serve, which please don't take this as anything away from what Jill is asking us to do there. Um, we serve in the kids' ministry. We, we start um, attending a small group. Then a few years later, we're leading our own small group. 
And then, uh, you know, we're, we find, oh, yeah, remember that time two years ago I, I, I picked up that homeless man and I gave him something to eat. And next week I'm going to go to the mission and volunteer. And, I, and now I'm raising my hands when I'm singing and worshiping. And the best thing is last week, one time for one hour, instead of watching Netflix, I put on a worship video recording, and I prayed. Wow, yeah. You see, we're doing all the stuff, but the question that keeps burning in me is do I know him and do I love him? Because the other stuff's really easy. It's really easy to come in here on a Sunday morning. Some people make a big deal out of it, but come on, it's two hours a week. That's easy. What's hard is pursuing the heart of the Lord, like, like Jill shared, making room for him, making room in your day for him. Because love looks like something, and with our walk with Jesus, it looks like time with him. The thing is, Jesus told us, it is better that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And in my head, I'm thinking, what could possibly be better than Jesus being here on earth? He said that to the disciples, by the way, not the, the masses. He was talking to his disciples. It's better that I go. Don't you understand? It's better that I go. If it's better than walking around with Jesus for three years, the, the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Savior of the world, walking with him for three years, and he's telling me this is what we have with his advocate in us is better, I'm going to prove that out, and I'm going to find that, and I'm going to go beyond scratching the surface to find out if that's true, because I believe him when he said that. I don't think he was just leading us on. In my life, I should be able to walk and live in communion with God that is better than if I were one of the 12 disciples in those three years while he walked on earth. That's my measuring stick, amen? Who wants a shorter one? They're easy to get. You can, get a, you can, you can take whatever measuring stick you want. You want to just come here? Have a nice church. And, oh, this is good. I, feel, I felt something this morning. That was good. Or do you want him? Do you want to know the depths of Jesus Christ or not? John 14 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And in Luke 17, nor will they say, see here, see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And we know this and we believe it, but we're like the disciples at Gethsemane. The living God is walking amongst us, and he's asking us, he's begging us, stay awake, pray with me. The hour is here. And we're like, 
Pastor Jesus, it's 1130. Church ended at 1130. I don't know if you saw the bulletin. We got to get home. The bills are on. Come on! I feel like that's a pretty good depiction of many of us across the Western church, and I'm including myself. I, this whole message is what he's been preaching to me, so don't take this as anything other than that. Most of us, though, we spend two hours a week at church. And we get annoyed when it goes long. Where is our hunger for more? Is he real? Do we serve the living God or not? Because he showed me. There's fresh bread. But we think we're full. There's fresh bread, but we're blind to the fact that we're starving, and we're blind to the fact of how badly we need him. He says, come, eat of me, drink of me. We think we're awake and alert. They're to the end with Jesus. But we're sleeping. He's about to go to the cross and be tortured and crucified. And we can't stay awake to pray with him. Mm. I don't know about you. But I think a lot of you are like me. He can't be satisfied with just a little bit of him. I remember my, my last pastor, Pastor Zach Hensley at New Hope Fellowship, would, would say, sometimes we come to Jesus like it's another, it's like a piece of, like a self-help book, you know, we just add him to our life. It's another little bit of wisdom, another bit of guidance that we can add to our lives. He said, no, when we come to Jesus, it's like a nuclear bomb going off on the inside of you. And if your life, if you don't feel that burning, you don't know that desire for him, get hungry. He said, it's better that I go. He said, you'll do greater things. And he said, love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Andrew, if you could come up. And uh, if you could just put up that last quote on the screen. It's a quote from Roland Baker. Again, I'll read it in a second so you don't have to strain your eyes. Um, my wife and I, well, in 2012, so 10 years ago, we went to Mozambique. September 10 years ago. We did three months there with, with Iris Ministries with Roland and Heidi. And the core of their message is to stop for the one. To just sit in the dirt. It's not about production. It's not about numbers. It's about the one. And it's about the one thing. Him. And they, they have seen just the most incredible revivals and miracles in their ministry. They went to the poorest place on earth that was devastated by floods and civil war with nothing to bring but Jesus. And this is what he says. Our hearts are hungry for someone. 
Many people long for revival, yet fail to realize that true revival is born out of an extreme desire for the person of Jesus Christ. When we fall deeply in love with Jesus and he sits on the throne of our hearts, heaven begins. It doesn't start with us crying out for revival. It starts out with us crying out for him. Desiring him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Desiring him above everything else where the things of this world grow strangely dim. That's all I want. And so I'm here this morning to do um, what I did for my five-year-old daughter, Madeline, this summer. As we were, we've been swimming around the pool deck, and her younger sister and older sister were going to the deck and jumping in. But she was just standing there like, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I can't. I, just, I want to. She'd step away, and she'd come back. I can't do it. And uh, just went on for 10, 15 minutes, all of us encouraging her. You know, and then I just kind of did what all good fathers here throughout time, throughout the thousands of millennium have done. Gently walked up next to her. She loved it. So that's why I'm here for you this morning. I've needed this nudge so many times. Got this nudge from so many people in my life. So I'm nudging you this morning. Some of you are farther along than me in this journey. I know that, and that's wonderful and beautiful. But you see, I don't know if you noticed, but Sister Cynthia is still here at the altar, still crying out. And there's a reason you see a lot of the same people up at the altar every week. We're hungry. It's not because we're like, keep dealing with more and more sin issues. It's because we're hungry for him. We're hungry to know the living God and to walk with him and to see him and to know him. Because we don't, because we're, we don't just want to be like Martha. We want to be like Mary. We want to be like John the Beloved. Jesus. And so let that hunger grow and gnaw at your heart. It's the greatest gift you'll ever get is hunger for him. Don't hunger for positions. Don't hunger for things in the world. Hunger for him, the only one that satisfies the living water from which you will thirst no more. sings how I love you. My soul sings how I love you. My soul sings, Lord, how I love you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hands, lay back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat, Lord. My soul sings how I love you. How I love you, how I love you, how I love you. 
Blessings to you as you continue in your life.